Hello, everyone. I welcome you to The Butterfly Effect, a mental health podcast to help you navigate through adversity and begin your transformative journey to healing mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. From anxiety to domestic violence, this podcast will discuss a wide range of mental health topics, hearing real people discuss their raw experiences. Because this podcast touches on sensitive topics, listener discretion is advised, and the information that is provided is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition or be a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing any mental health symptoms while listening, I encourage you to contact somebody that you trust or a mental health provider in your community. So, without further ado, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Butterfly Effect podcast. My name is Queen Shimoniak, and I welcome you to this week's episode. I personally have so much to say, and it's very hard for me to go through with my regular introduction without really feeling all the emotions that I'm currently feeling as of right now. Because this topic is something that is near and dear to my heart, but it's something that is affecting so many of my fellow black brothers and sisters. And it really hurts me to know that even in 2020, we're experiencing the same type of trauma at its intensity in this generation. And not only am I disappointed, angry and sad, but it's almost baffling to know that racism still thrives so happily in a place that it's never been welcomed. Many of you might not know, but I feel like it's very quite necessary. I am part Black part African-American. I'm also many different types of white and Native American. (laughs) And to be a mixed kid, it's almost like you're really, you're truly in the middle between two different cultures and two different social expectations. Not only from a racial point of view, but I'm also a woman, so there are expectations in being a woman in America as well as being mixed in America. There's always this kind of joke within, you know, the mixed kid community of how sometimes you're too black for the white kids, but you're too white for the black kids. And I've experienced my own fair share of racism throughout my life, but I cannot truly say that I've felt the pure intensity of discrimination as much as some that are darker complected than me because I recognize that being a quote-unquote light skin comes with its privileges or its quote-unquote perks. And As much as I wish I didn't have this privilege, it's something that I have to live with and recognize that 
if I really want to make a difference, if I really want to represent my community, I have to know everything that there is to know about African-American people. And with this topic in mind, racial trauma is so real. It's as real as air and gravity and it's something that still thrives and it's something that's so overlooked and racism as a whole is never taken as seriously as it should and it never has been. It's always been something that was a part of our history but it's almost like it was a book on a bookshelf collecting dust and we knew of its existence but we never dared to really open that book and read the contents and all the details of what it meant for certain groups of people to experience so many different traumatic events to the point where it caused a generational trauma, community-based trauma, that affects individual people every single day. And it has been for the past 400 years. 400 years of oppression, 400 years of being shot, burned, lynched, burned alive, actually hanged, experiencing midnight raids from the KKK, riots from white people throwing rocks at you, chasing you down, throwing tear gas in your face, burning down businesses, Homes, schools, churches. And I wonder, and I was talking to a group of my my friends, and we were trying to just really dissect where this all came from. Because from the beginning of time when we open up our history books, we hear the same narrative We had that one chapter about slavery and the civil rights movement. And, you know, we talk about the Underground Railroad and Harriet Tubman and these masters and plantations. And these plantations are used as monuments to represent that time period as they're used for tourism. But can you really understand the depth of what it means for a group of people? to be so hated that they're not even considered to be members of a society at one point. And to this day, it's almost like we, as a community, are dehumanized. And my friends, we were really talking about, like, where did this come from? Where can the problem be resolved? And it's so hard to put a band-aid over a wound that continuously bleeds and is being stabbed at so many times to the point where that wound isn't just infected in that area, but it's infected all over. How can you find a one-size-fits-all band-aid or a one-size-fits-all solution when every single person experiences their own unique type of trauma when it comes to racism and being discriminated just based off the color of your skin. Something that is 
a biological trait is something that holds so much social and cultural significance. And what's very interesting is if we really want to open up the book of history, if we really want to read between the lines of history, what does it really mean to be black? What does it really mean to have a darker complexion? Since the beginning of time in a variety of different cultures, being black or being darker was seen as as the epitome of being dirty, negative. It wasn't the epitome of beauty as it was for fair and white skin. And this isn't a, a war against whites and blacks. This is a, a, a concept that has been instilled in many cultures as a way to categorize people in order to establish a sense of superiority. And this stems in gender roles. This stems in the beauty standards. Because all those things are influenced by the people. And as much as we influence culture, culture also influences us as well. And something that is merely about biology, somehow it creates these divots in history and create the foundation for these wounds to even emerge. So understanding skin color and anthropologically from an anthropological point of view of what that really means, skin color is not just being dark. And in the black community, it's not just about your skin color. It's about your name. Your skin color holds your heritage. It holds a it holds culture, it holds beauty, it holds something that was so stripped away in so many different ways. And the first issue starts with this displacement, meaning a group of people were taken from their homeland, having to strip away of their cultural social identity and adopt a new identity in order to survive. Meaning, African-American people were considered to be like a colonized minority because they were physically conquered and they weren't even, not only were they accepted as humans, they weren't even accepted as members of the society as a whole. And they were seen as property. So I talk in my first episode about trauma, and this is about racial trauma. Well, what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to be displaced? Why is that a form of trauma? And why is it the one root that started this whole issue, aside from the color of one's skin? Racial trauma is defined as a form of race-based stress due to reactions of dangerous events and real or perceived experiences of racial discrimination. Very similar to post-traumatic stress disorder, racial trauma is unique because it involves ongoing individual and collective injuries due to exposure and pre-exposure to race-based stress. I love this definition, because, um, and I took this from an article called um, 
racial trauma theory research and healing introduction to the special issue. I like this because it highlighted something very important that I would like for all of you to understand about trauma in general. It mentions that racial trauma is unique because it involves ongoing collective injuries or exposure, pre-exposure to race-based stress. What is that race-based stress? What does that mean, ongoing trauma? I will tell you what that is. Because African-American people were displaced from their homeland, they were brought into a new world. And when they were brought into this new world called America, their native language, their their native name, their status, their culture, their songs, everything that makes up a culture, their morals, values, and beliefs were taken from them. If they spoke in their native tongue, they were whipped. If they took the opportunity to read and write, they were whipped or worse. So you have to recognize that what the African-American community had gone through is a repeated amount of different types of trauma. And I talk about this in my first episode about different types of trauma and how to recognize different types of trauma and how each one is more severe than the other depending on what it is but this as a community as a people and even individually they were all experiencing multiple types of trauma at the same time while also finding a way to survive in a new place and being treated inferior as opposed to the white people. And this concept can apply to a lot of different cultures. It can apply to the Mexican culture, the Asian culture. All minorities have experienced a form of displacement where they had to strip away their cultural identity in order to adopt the European white identity in order to survive, in order to keep themselves alive because they are the last physical representation of their culture which is true you know as anthropologists my anthropology teacher always told me that when you look at the bone like the the bones of a person their heritage and their culture and who they are is etched on their face but it has nothing to do with oh this person was black or this person was asian Their skulls, their bones tell you stories about a long line of history that you can never truly fathom of the things that they've been through. And all that you have left are the clues left behind on the markings on their bones and the facial features and the distinctive features that make them them, uniquely them. And that really stuck with me because, you know, we want to talk about how all lives matter and how at the end of the day, you know, take away the skin and we all look the same. We, I mean, we all have the same organs. Yes, we have, we have bones at the end of the day, but we have very distinctive features that will tell the story of our ancestors. 
whether we want to or not. And of course, all lives matter, but at this very moment, black lives matter. It always has, and it should. But because the community has gone through so many different types of trauma and we've been fed this narrative about slavery and about the civil rights movement, there are holes in history that need to be filled in order to understand why the black community, why you know, African-American people feel a certain way about certain topics and stereotypes and they're vocal about certain situations and experiences because it's an ongoing issue. For example, um, there are different types of trauma. In the African-American community, they've experienced lynching, being burned, shot, hanged. That's a form of physical abuse. Slave trading, meaning treating people, um, buying and trading people, making them feel as though they're property, is a way, in my opinion, not only is that like a form of physical abuse, but mostly mental abuse because you're doing things that could mentally break a person to making them feel like they can't, that they don't have a voice. You have the raping of women and and children. <laughs> That's sexual abuse, another form of trauma. You have separating families, making them feel those father and mother wounds because their parents were physically unable to be there because they were being separated and in situations that they couldn't control. And having to figure out and navigate through this world that they're barely learning to understand. That can also attribute to um, anxiety, especially separation anxiety. And then later in life, during the civil rights movement, we want to talk about segregation. Giving access to information and resources to black people that was very different from the white community. And even later in life, gentrifying areas and pushing black people to the edges of the city and forcing them to be in these communities where they really do have a lack of resources and connections to the actual world around them. And you don't think that being in those in those quote-unquote ghettos, being in those places where their culture, they didn't want their culture to be mixed in with the white culture, you don't think that's not a form of abuse? You don't think that's traumatic? To have their books burned, to have their cultures, just everything that makes up everything that we have today, is because of the black community. When you think of when slaves came, they had to strip themselves of culturally. They had to change their name. They couldn't speak their native tongue. They couldn't read or write. That's a that's a lot. That's taking away 
someone's cultural identity, that's a form of this place, this feeling that sense of displacement as well, because culture is something that keeps us bonded. It creates those that sense of security, knowing that we are within a community. Because humans are social beings, whether we like it or not, we all need each other. But unfortunately, when we are isolated from the group and we're pushed away from our community, it makes us feel alone. A type of loneliness that is that we don't know who we really are. And that causes depression, suicidal thoughts. And these wounds, just these types of traumas that I'm mentioning is far a little bit of a handful of what the black community goes through because that concept of being stripped of their cultural identity can also be seen in something that we actually see today, which is hair. You know, going into the workplace and black black women having to always straighten their hair because having curls was seen as unorganized or dirty and just not put together. And not being discriminated by hair. So does this really, does skin color really stem to all these different things? Can you really understand the depth of what a black person has to go through and be taught how to be safe and black in America? In history, you know, when you start talking about um, the understanding of black power and, you know, trying to take that power back and revolt. I mean, you had, that's when you start talking about Harriet Tubman, Underground Railroad, and the wars. And then later in the civil rights, you start talking about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and all the, and the Black Panthers. You talk about all these iconic people that paved the way to give black people a chance to represent themselves and to be an advocate for their community. But along with that, you also have people on the opposing side that don't really like that. In the, in the slave days, when um, the plantation owners started to hear that slaves were revolting and and you know, running away or escaping, they had white patrol, white slave patrols as a form of asserting that power and control. And it was an organize it was an organized unit of people to inflict pain and all in the right of justice. And in modern times you see that in the police force, as many men and women are constantly dealing with police brutality. And police brutality stems far beyond the civil rights movement. You see it way beyond that. And it's so disappointing to know that this big wound is something that can't just be stitched together because there's so many layers to understand why 
black people feel the way that they do, it's understandable why there are riots. It's understandable why there's looting happening at the moment. There's, it's understandable why people are angry and upset and sad and how even though we have these hashtags and these, you know, challenges and now we're starting to voice about Black Lives Matter, Black Lives have always mattered, but no one ever took the time to understand the wants, the needs, the passions, the dreams in which black people have always wanted and have fought for since the beginning. So next time you put a hashtag, next time you start talking about the black community, know exactly what you're talking about. Read between the lines of history. Because this, I I could go on and on and on about how racial trauma has been a huge mental health issue. And it really wouldn't do any justice to discuss the vast history of everything that African-American people had to endure just for me to be here today. Just for a lot of people that I know to be alive today. And when I think of Breonna Taylor, when I think of George Floyd, when I think of Eric Gardner, I think of all these strong individuals that fell into the hands of hatred all because they were merely existing. So with everything that's going on, I would like to give some advice First, to those within the Black community, I want to say that your feelings, your thoughts, everything you feel is valid. And I know just me saying that is it's not doing any justice to the anger that the community has been going through since the beginning of time. Because as, as, as Black people, we are carrying on a burden that has been passed on that we shouldn't have had to carry at all. But take the time to learn more about who you are and how you feel because break down those stereotypes that hold you back from expressing how you really feel. Because there are different forms and different types of ways that you can experience racism. You experience it through the workplace. You experience it in daily life. You hear it on, t- you hear it on, on TV, through social media. You have these microaggressions. You have these stereotypes. You have hate crimes and racial profiling. You have all these different types of triggers that immediately activate all of the trauma that you feel your ancestors have gone through and you feel in 2020 is still happening and you're having to go outside and be cautious all because having the wrong eye contact with the wrong person or somehow just you existing and doing your own thing can cause you to meet death and it shouldn't be that way. So first, I would like for you to acknowledge the fact that how you're feeling right now is valid because acknowledging is the first step to healing. 
It's the most vital part to healing. The second is to honor your emotions and feelings because how you're feeling isn't just about you. It's about your friends. It's about your family. It's about your ancestors that are crying out and you're crying out with them just to be advocated for. So if you need to cry, if you need to break down, if you need to have this moment to take a step back, take a step back. If you feel like you need to find new ways to to protest or to get your point across, find a way that's best for your mental health so that you can continuously be mentally stable. So if you need to take a step back from social media because you keep getting triggered, take that step back so that you can honor your feelings and your emotions and your thoughts and you can make the best and sound decisions that will not only represent how you feel but represent how you want to go about what's going on in the world right now because truthfully it's a lot it's overwhelming but feel what you need to feel and I know that you know some people really will not understand the depth of what you're feeling and that's not that it's okay but know that This is unique to our community. And yes, other minorities feel a level of racial trauma. But right now, black lives really do matter. Your life matters. Your breath matters. Your life, every part of you matters. And though there are some people in this world that feel so much hatred and so much prejudice and so much and have this weird superiority complex. You matter so much. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're so strong and you got this because honestly, sometimes we may feel like we don't got this at all. But I want you to know that every effort that you're making is making a difference. Whether you realize it or not, it's creating a ripple to drag out a topic that's been hidden under the rug of society and it's finally coming to light. Because we shouldn't have had to beg for representation. But we're no longer begging for it. We're standing up for what is right. And we're speaking out and crying out to advocate for the people now, for the people of tomorrow. And to all of those that are not a part of the black community, take this time to be there for your black friends, family members. Because not only do they need your support, but they need you to sit and listen to how they feel. To be a voice to break down this barrier of ignorance and hatred. Because there really is a lack of understanding with why Black people feel so strongly about police brutality and how we are treated in this in this society. So take this time to listen, not to give advice, not to say that you understand completely, but be there to support. Sign protests. Sign sign not protests. Sign um, petitions. Sign, go to protest. 
be an open ear and an open heart to this issue and take the time out to learn more, not just about African-American history, but about the history of a lot of minorities because their histories have been skewed. And the history books that we have read, there's so much that's missing. So take the time out to break down your own walls of ignorance, your own walls of the lack of understanding in order to really put yourself in the shoes of another person. And it's so funny because my anthropology teacher, she always told me, she said, um, if you want to be a good anthropologist and you're trying to understand people and why they do the things you do, you first need to understand why you do the things that you do so that you can even have an open enough mind to put yourselves in the shoes of another person, even if that shoe might not fit. Meaning, understand where you are mentally and understand your own beliefs, your morals and values, and see where there are inconsistencies or where there are signs of true lack of understanding what the community goes through so that you can open your mind to learn new information, to absorb that information so that you can better support the people around you. So, I mean, that's something that I personally would think would be very essential. And when you do these hashtags, when you do these little, when you post these these stories or these or retweet and, and you're on social media, really pay attention to how people are reacting and recognize that this behavior is understandable and it's necessary. Because just like if the body was cut, you think the body's just going to allow itself to bleed out? No, because there are other agents and other things that are working together that things that you may not see that aren't making a difference is actually doing everything it can to close that wound. So use your privilege to make that necessary step to help close the wound that has been opening and has been getting deeper and deeper. Make that step, even though you may not see an immediate an immediate um, result, know that your efforts are also creating a ripple to make room for change. You have privilege. Use that privilege to stand up for a community that has, been, has always felt like they've been fighting this war on their own. All right, everyone, that is the end of this week's episode. I hope that all of you guys enjoyed it. I wanted to make this episode a little bit different because I wanted it to really come from a true personal place because making this podcast, I wanted to talk about topics that not a lot of people want to discuss and almost want to hide in a closet and pretend that it doesn't exist. But this podcast is meant to bring topics that has been hidden in the dark to the light and hopefully give a new perspective and understanding on the topics that I discuss, including the one that 
I discussed in this episode. It's something that's very near and dear to my heart because I am a part of the Black community. I have experienced discrimination and racism, and what's going on in the world shouldn't be happening. And it's disappointing, and it it really does break my heart because men, women, and children, Black men, women, and children should not have to feel afraid to walk outside their door and to be merely shot and killed and abused mentally, physically, or emotionally just because they're existing. So with that being said, take this time to donate to organizations, to go to protest, and use your voice, use your privilege, use your time to research and to advocate for a group of people that really need your help at this time, that really need that representation, that advocacy. Do what you can truly and genuinely to close a wound that has been getting deeper and deeper as time has progressed. But when you start unraveling this tangled, bundled up mess that history has caused, together we can all find avenues to make sure that these situations don't happen as frequently as they do. It may not happen immediately, but hopefully in the future, hopefully, maybe in a perfect world, that these situations will never have to happen. If any of you guys are feeling overwhelmed with what's going on right now and you need to take that step back or you want to talk about how you're feeling and let your frustrations out, I encourage you to um, find a family family member, friend, or even me, you can DM me at the Butterfly Effect Podcast on Instagram, or you can email me at the Butterfly Effect PDCT underscore at gmail.com. And with that being said, I want to end saying some affirmations. Your life matters. So go out into the world and fight for what you know is yours. Because your courage, your bravery, your voice has value. I am proud of who you are, regardless of where you came from, regardless of your skin color, regardless of all the trauma you've experienced. You are welcomed. You are special. You are cared for. And your life matters. Thank you so much, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I will see you guys next week.